Hello and welcome back to the Talking Sense podcast. In the first episode of this series, we gave you a sense of what the Talking Sense project actually is. So Talking Sense is a project held in conjunction with the Ashmolean Museum, which is all about thinking about the senses in a museum setting in relation to objects that are on permanent exhibition in the museum. In the second episode of this series, Johnny and I walked you through what a workshop day looked like in the Talking Sense project. And in the following episodes, what you're getting are the recorded gallery talks, which were the culmination of the Talking Sense project. In this episode, we'll be hearing from Christy Calloway-Gale, a DPhil candidate in medieval and modern languages and a co-producer of this podcast. Her talk partner was Amélie Bonny, a DPhil candidate in the history of science. And their talk was The Senses and Disease, a Renaissance perfume burner and a Victorian poisonous bookcase. From Renaissance Italy to Victorian England, join Christy and Amélie to explore how a perfume burner and a toxic bookcase can help us to discover the sensory world of disease. Christy will be talking about a Renaissance perfume burner. My name is Christy and I'm a PhD student in the Faculty of Medieval and Modern Languages. And today I'm going to be talking about the senses and disease in relation to an Italian Renaissance perfume burner. So this perfume burner was made in Padua, in northern Italy, between roughly 1540 and 1550. And I'm going to specifically be talking about smell, which is one of the five senses, and disease prevention in relation to this object. So before I go into the purpose of the perfume burner, I thought it would be good to start by thinking about how the perfume burner actually works. Um, so I'd like to invite you all to, to come in and, and have a look at the, at the perfume burner. Um, and you'll see that it's in three parts. So we've got the base, the central drum and the lid. And so in the base, uh, they would have burnt charcoal or pastils. And in the central drum, that's where the perfumed essence would have been. And when this was heated from below, the perfumed essence, along with smoke, would have come out of all of the different holes on the object. Um, so again, if you have a closer look at the object, you'll see all these different openings. Um, and these would have included the arches at the base of the object, the mouths of the masks on the central drum, um, and also uh, the mouths of the faces on the lid of the perfume burner, including the mouth of the figure sitting right on top of the perfume burner. So as you can imagine, it really would have been quite a spectacle when this perfume burner was working. So we've thought a bit about how the perfume burner works, and so now I want to think about the purpose of the perfume burner in preventing the contagion of disease. So this perfume burner would have been kept in a home, and it would have been quite a grand home. As you can see, it's a very elaborate object. It's made of bronze by the sculptor Desiderio de Firenze. There would have been cheaper uh, homemade versions of, of perfume burners, but this one is a particularly elaborate one uh, that would have been kept in a, in a grand home, as I said. And if we think about diffusing scent in the home today, we think about uh, something like an air freshener, which is about dispelling bad smells, uh, but it also might be about emitting pleasurable smells. But from the 14th century onwards in Europe, um, perfume burners actually had a very specific function and this was to prevent the contagion of disease and they were specifically seen as weapons against the plague and during the 16th century which was when this perfume burner was made there were repeated outbreaks of the plague so perfume burners were particularly important at this time 
And they were also particularly important because, as I said, uh, a perfume burner like this one would have been kept in a home. And during the 16th century in, in northern Italy, the home was very much the centre of healthcare. So there are a variety of material objects in the home uh, that were used to prevent the contagion of disease. And the reason why the home became the centre of healthcare at this time was because of the advent of printing. And this meant that healthy living guides could be uh, distributed very widely, and it gave people the agency uh, to make their homes healthy spaces. So we've talked about how the perfume burner works, and we've talked about its purpose in preventing the contagion of disease. But we haven't really talked about why it was thought that the perfume burner could prevent the contagion of disease in the first place. And so to think about this, we have to think about the relationship between medicine and perfumery, and specifically the relationship between smell and the understanding of disease at this time. So smell was important to, to many things relating to, to disease in the 16th century. So doctors uh, would diagnose patients uh, by smelling them, by smelling urine samples or smelling their armpits, for instance. They might also prescribe smells to cure certain ailments. But crucially, some smells were thought to be very dangerous. And so there was a particular preoccupation at this time for bad air or corrupt air. And so this bad air was said to be foul-smelling. It could come from external sources, um, from places like sewers, um, but also carcasses, and from internal sources, so from processes that, that weren't working so well inside the body. So things like undigested food um, and also rotten teeth and things like that. And at the time, it was thought that smells took on the quality of substances that they came from, and that these smells and these substances were then absorbed uh, into the body through pores or through uh, inhalation, and this could cause illness. So for this reason, uh, bad air was actually thought to be the main explanation of the plague until about the 19th century. On the other hand, good smells could overcome these dangerous smells, and they did this by forming a protective barrier around the vulnerable body. Now, I should say that good smells weren't necessarily pleasurable smells, but they were said to be good particularly because they were protective. So musk, from the musk gland of musk deer, was often burnt in perfume burners because it was said to be protective. And it was protective because it was said to be a hot smell. And this was supposed to combat the, the cold and wet air associated with uh, decaying bodies and all of that bad air that we were talking about before. Um, now, I actually have some musk oil, um, so you can get a sense of what this musk would have smelt like. What I'll be handing around is not actually in a very high concentration, um, but I was saying before about how um, these protective smells might not necessarily be pleasurable. And I can tell you that musk in very high concentrations can actually smell a bit like feces. Um, but I promise what I'm handing around is, as I said, not in... Uh, such a high concentration, but it will at least give you a sense of, of what uh, the perfume burner might have smelt like when it was functioning. But now I want to turn to something that I haven't talked about at all, which is perhaps one of the most obvious things about the perfume burner, and that's uh, the way it's decorated um, and the, the figures adorning the perfume burner. And I want to think about them in relation to the perfume burner's function in preventing the contagion of disease. And the reason why I want to, to think about this relationship between form and function, so form being the way that the object appears and, and function being the object's purpose in preventing the contagion of disease, 
is because the form and function of objects um, at this time in the 16th century were supposed to be in harmony. So material objects in the home that were supposed to prevent the contagion of disease should have an appearance that encouraged health. So I want to start by asking if anyone recognises any of the figures depicted on the object itself. And I think if we start with the figure on the top of the perfume burner, um, we've got Pan. Now who is Pan? So Pan is a god of nature and pasture lands. He's very much associated with fertility and therefore life. So it makes a lot of sense that he's at the top, sitting at the top of this object that's supposed to be giving life to those around it. And then we have the faces um, on the lid of the perfume burner that seem to have this, what looks like mad hair. And this is Medusa. And so Medusa is all about warding off evil. And in this context, we can think of evil as disease. And then we've got the three male figures round the central drum. Now, we're not entirely sure who they are, but we think that they might be Neptune, Jupiter and Vulcan. Now, Vulcan is god of fire. So again, it's very appropriate that he should be adorning uh, this perfume burner where um, we're, we're burning something in, in the base of the object. But just in general with these figures, we've said uh, what a spectacle it would have been when the perfume burner was functioning. We've talked about how the smoke would have been coming out of these figures' mouths. And it would have actually looked like these figures were breathing. So when the perfume burner was working, it would have almost given life to these figures, much in the same way that it uh, is supposed to give life to the human beings living around this perfume burner. But it's also particularly appropriate that figures associated with ancient Greece like Pan and Medusa, should be adorning this perfume burner. Because during the 16th century, when this perfume burner was made, there was a rediscovery of medical texts from ancient Greece. Um, and Padua, which is uh, where this perfume burner was made, was very much at the centre of this rediscovery. And this rediscovery meant a revival in the interest on air and environment, and how the air and the environment affected um, people's health. But it also reinforced the relationship between perfumery and disease prevention, which uh, was very much a classical idea. And then the last thing that I want to say about these figures is that there are lots of them and they're supposed to be admired from all angles. And in general, this object is, is very much supposed to be seen. Uh, it's not going to be hiding away in the corner of, of someone's house doing its job. And again, this very much relates to the object's purpose um, in making sure that those around it stay healthy, because at this time there was a relationship between health and status. So it was the head of the house's responsibility to make sure everyone in the house uh, was healthy. So this would have included uh, the family uh, that lived in the house, but also any servants in the house. And as we said, uh, this object is a very elaborate object, and it's, it's most likely that it would have been in a grand house where there were servants. And so what was at stake here, making sure that everyone in the house was healthy? So this was about virtue, it was about morality, and it was also about nobility. And we have to remember that this was a time when nobility was no longer just about birth, but it was about living appropriately, and it could be acquired by living appropriately. In other words, it could be acquired by living healthily. So I just want to draw my talk to a close by thinking about how the purpose of the perfume burner was actually changing during the 16th century in general. And if you remember, I said this particular perfume burner was made between roughly 1540 and 1550. In the second half of the 16th century, perfume burners were in fact not targeting air infected by disease at all, but they became 
more part of a general healthy living practice and they started to target air whose composition was said to be unbalanced rather than air that was infected by disease. And in general, there was more of an emphasis on making sure that your house had good air to start with, rather than having to use objects like perfume burners to rectify the air or make the air good again. And so there was a lot of advice about where to build your house. It was usually advised that you found an elevated site with, with moving air. And if you were wealthy enough, you built many houses in many different places and you could move between them depending on the seasons. And this moving between houses, this seems to be something specifically Italian because travel writers from other European countries would comment on this practice when they came to, to Italy. And then by the end of the 16th century, the relationship between scent and health was actually lost and scent became really just about pleasure. I should say that there is still a relationship between uh, scent and um, this having a positive effect on the mind and the spirit, but the relationship between centre and physical health is more or less lost. So by 1600, it's actually quite rare to find perfume burners in houses at all, which is why I think this object is particularly fascinating to study, because it was made just on the cusp of the evolution of the purpose of perfume burners. And it's particularly fascinating then to think about what this perfume burner tells us about how the relationship between smell, scent and disease was changing at this time in northern Italy. For further reading about this podcast and all of the podcasts in this series, please see the attached bibliographies in the show notes. Music for the show was by David Hillowitz, Moment of Truth piano version, provided by freemusicarchive.org. This podcast was presented, edited and produced by me, Christy Calloway-Gale. And me, Johnny Lawrence. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.